on the pro-Trump bandwagon podcast. We support the president no matter what the f*** happens. Lady, 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 let me show you how it's supposed to be. Every lie you tell another feed upon your rosary. Baby, 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 count your sins before you go to sleep. You may not be praying, but I know you've been down on your knees. Call me non-believer, you can call my ass a skeptic. Serving up some bullshit, man, I think I skipped that breakfast. I ain't even trying to bite, feeling anorexic. Leaving letters in the fire, take my shit and exit. No, cause you's a goddamn lie. You must have lost your goddamn mind. No, cause you's a goddamn lie. You must have lost your goddamn, goddamn mind. Oh, yeah. Trump, Pro Trump Bandwagon Podcast back in action, ripping and running the streets right here. Your host, faithful, humble, dedicated servant, Jermaine Para, the scorcher in chief. What's up, big dogs? What's up, man? You guys done? You guys done jacking off? Ready to listen, learn? Hell yeah. Check it out, guys. It's a little bit of a dirty heads, goddamn liar. My revolver This ain't holy water This is dirty as a dollar If I see the man I might just let the musket holler Broken man, woman, scorn Crying at the altar No, cause you's a goddamn lie You must have lost your goddamn mind No, cause you's a goddamn lie You must have lost your goddamn mind Oh yeah Hell yeah dude That's a badass song right there dog They're talking about uh, I was actually talking to the lead singer of this band Dirty Heads um, Steve And uh, his name is Steve The lead singer And he was telling me that When he wrote this song He was actually thinking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Affectionately known here On the Pro Trump Bandwagon podcast As the As the stupid dumb Puerto Rican bitch no, that's what that's what we know her as over here. It's an affectionate term. I mean, we're just goofing around when we call her a stupid dumb Puerto Rican bitch, but that's what she is. Anyway, Steve, the lead singer of Dirty Heads, told me that um, yeah, it's about her. I was like, uh, what's the song about, dude? And he was like, I, you know that one crazy Puerto Rican bitch that's uh from New York talking about the Green New Deal? I was like, yeah, 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 Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, and he goes, yeah. Yeah, that crazy bitch. He's like, yeah, when I wrote that song, it was about her, man. So, so that's it, guys. That's a song right there. Now nah, I'm just kidding. I don't know Steve. I don't know him at all. But <clears throat> check out, check out the Dirty Heads, man. They're a good band. They're a really good band, guys. It's good to be here. A lot of stuff going on. It's Monday. We're gonna start rocking and rolling with the Pro Trump Bandwagon Podcast. So for those of you who don't know, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, check it out. The pro-Trump bandwagon podcast is just that. It's pro-Trump. So you're not going to hear any negative... Any any negativity when it comes to pro-Trump. When it comes to Donald Trump, okay? Here we support Donald Trump no matter what the fuck happens. We don't care. It doesn't matter. I don't care what he tweets. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he does. As long as Donald Trump's doing it, then I'm on board. And if I happen to disagree with the position that Donald Trump has taken, then I'm going to change my mind and agree. Okay? That's what we do here on the Pro-Trump Bandwagon Podcast. And the reason is, 
There's a lot of conservative talk shows out there that they can't wait to disagree with Donald Trump. They can't wait to prove to you that they have independent minds. And I don't need to do that. I don't care. I don't need to do that. I don't need you guys to, to be like, wow, Jermaine's got his own thoughts. No. I do have my own thoughts, but I don't need to prove it to you because I don't give a fuck about you. I don't care what you think about me. Let me rephrase that. I do care about you. I love you. You guys are my fans. But I don't care what you think about what I think. Or if you think I'm stupid, you think I'm dumb, I don't care. So we're going to support the president on this podcast. Feel safe and feel secure that when you come to this podcast, you're going to hear nothing but gung-ho, pro-Trump material. You're not going to hear anything negative, anybody whining and complaining about Donald Trump's tweets, because we love Donald Trump's tweets here. Okay? I got some, uh, we're going to hit the issues and we're going to go right into the issues. Here we got the issues. All right, the first headline that I saw, and we're going to get into the, into the article here. It's from Reuters. It's updated. October 21st, 2019. U.S. soldiers who fought alongside Kurds blast Trump's Syria retreat. So now all of a sudden the media is looking for all the soldiers that are upset that Trump is leaving Syria. Can you believe this stupid bullshit? These are the same people that railed against the Iraq war, including all the Democrats. They railed against the Iraq war. A lot of them, in all honesty, were against Obama going into into Syria. Now all of a sudden they want us to stay just because Donald Trump is the president? You know, if Donald Trump said we're going to stay in Syria for the next 50 years... Everybody would rail against Donald Trump for wanting to stay in Syria. They would be like, we can't continue to fight these endless wars. and buy. Whatever Donald Trump does, the media has to, has to bash it and say the opposite. It's ridiculous. Let's go to the article. Here we go with the article. U.S. soldiers who fought alongside Kurds blast Trump's Syria retreat. In the summer of 2004, U.S. soldier Greg Walker drove to a... Wait, 2004? We weren't even in Syria in 2004. Okay, let's find out what this is about. In the summer of 2004, U.S. soldier Greg Walker drove to a checkpoint just alongside the Baghdad's green zone with, the, with his Kurdish bodyguard, Azaz. When he stepped out of his SUV, three Iraqi guards turned him around at gunpoint. As he walked back to his vehicle, he heard an AK-47 being racked and a hall of cursing in Arabic and Kurdish. Uh, I got lost there. He turned to the a, to a, to see Azaz facing off with the Iraqis. Let us through or I'll kill you all. Walker recalled this Kurdish bodyguard telling the Iraqi soldiers who he described as terrified. Then he thought to himself, this is the kind of ally and friend I want. So, you know, they're bragging about the Kurds. Look, the media didn't give a shit about the Kurds when, when, when Obama removed the American troops from Iraq. You guys remember that? You guys remember the big deal that was made out of? It's the reason ISIS came into being was because we got out of Iraq. But guess what? Where we weren't at the time. We weren't in Syria. So we were in Iraq, right? We were in Iraq. We left and ISIS was formed. Then ISIS spread out and got into Syria and all these other places. And then we go into Syria and now we, we're going to leave Syria. Now ISIS is going to get formed again in Syria. But they weren't there before. I don't understand this. Now retired and living in Portland, 
The 66-year-old former Army Special Forces soldier is among legions of U.S. servicemen with a deep gratitude and respect for Kurdish fighters. Look, man, yeah, those, by, by the way, those guys are talking about the Iraqi, the Kurds who fought in Iraq. They're not talking about the Syrian Kurds. Is it the same group? I thought it was the ones in, in Syria. Aren't they different groups, dude? The Kurds are all the same. They all agree with each other. So he was furious when President Donald Trump this month abruptly decided to pull 1,000 U.S. troops. Abruptly, just like just like Michael Savage says. I don't believe I don't believe in the premise. I know I'm harping on this on this on this Syria stuff, but this is bullshit. We're supposed to stay in Syria. Stay in Syria. We're supposed to stay in in Iraq. You know what's funny about all this is, three years ago I was for all these wars and staying in there, because I really didn't understand what the hell was going on. And now that I see Trump in there and what he's been talking about, I realize, you know what? If we're not in Syria, we're gonna be in Lebanon. If we're not in Lebanon, we're gonna be in Iran. If if John McCain would have won, we probably would have gone to war with Iran. Can you guys believe it? John McCain would have took us to war with Iran. I think Obama, in that respect, kept us. Of course, he gave away the store when it comes to Iran. So I don't know that his his solution was the right solution. I think he was wrong in what he did. But at least we didn't go to war with Iran. Walker's rage is echoed in Reuters interviews with half a dozen other current and former U.S. soldiers. Half a dozen? So six. Six soldiers. You've talked to six soldiers. This is a bullshit article. You know what? I'm done with this article. I'm not going to keep reading it. Here we go with a different article that's not full of shit. The other thing you've been hearing is these generals, former generals, coming out and ranting and raving against Trump and calling for Trump's removal. These are generals. These are people who are, who work for the commander in chief. Can you guys believe this bullshit? This is an article in American Greatness by Adam Celine. Our republic is under attack from admirals and generals. All right, let's get let's go through the article. Here we go. Here we go with the article. Retired Admiral William McRaven's recent opinion column in the New York Times is one of several recent indicators of how anti-Republican our military leadership has become. Has become. Well, that's what's happened. You know, you got Obama in there for eight years, so you start getting. You only promote Democrats. The majority of the military is Republican. Now, is he talking about Republican? Oh, small Republican. Never mind. Let me read, let me reread that. Retired Admiral William McRaven's recent opinion column in the New York Times is one of the several recent indicators of how anti-small R Republicans, so not the Republican Party. I misunderstood. How anti-Republican our military leadership has become. Brandon Weikert. First, as Brandon Weikert so ably pointed out in these pages the other day, the military, I didn't read that. The military's pathetic conduct in response to a predictable and appropriate withdrawal from northern Syria indicates that it, along with foreign policy establishment, with the foreign policy establishment, has no real respect for the authority of an elected chief executive. That's the problem that we're having. And by the way, the media is jumping on board with this. The media is jumping on board with all this right now. What they're doing is they're pra- they're they're praising these 
long-term state employees, uh, Department of State, all of these, all of these people that are in the State Department, all these people that are in the CIA, FBI, they've been there for years and years and years, and they think they run the country. They think they run the country, and they think that the president can't come in there and start telling them what to do. They're like, We're, we've been here already. And that's the attitude. And the fact of the matter is, is that these people work for the work for the American people. They don't they don't work for they they don't do their own thing, whatever they want. They gotta work for the president. If the president tells them A, they gotta do A, and that's it. Whether they like it or not, they don't like it, their job is to resign. Their duty it is their duty to resign if they disagree with the president. Compliance with orders from the president as far as they are concerned, appears to depend more or less on how much... God damn it, I got a phone call, guys. I got to take this phone call. Here we go with the phone call. All right, let's keep going with this. Compliance with orders from the president, as far as they are concerned, appears to depend more or less on how much that president agrees with and submits to the judgment of the ruling class. Our forces were so unprepared to leave their temporary mission in Syria that the best they could do was to leave dick drawings for Russians who would take over the, the abandoned American camps. Despite having a new model military, we should probably not expect that our soldiers are above penis drawings given how skilled and artistic our pilots are who can draw them in the sky, leaving Felix... What the fuck is he talking about? He went into the, what's he talking? Why is he talking about the penis drawings? Did you guys hear about that? By the way, I thought that was hilarious. There was one pilot who would draw pictures of penises in a cockpit of his airplane, and he got fired. But nobody sees how hilarious it is to draw the picture of a penis in a cockpit. That is hilarious, dude. That's hilarious. Okay. Anyway, what the hell? How do we get into this penis drawing stuff? Despite having a new model military, we should probably not expect that our soldiers are above drawing penises, given how skilled they are and artistic they are at drawing penises in the sky. Leaving phallic symbols for our once, for, for, for one's enemy is as old as Rome, after all. So who, who are we to complain? But is it too much to ask the American soldiers at least to know how to destroy their positions when abandoning them? It isn't as if leaving Syria should have been a surprise to commanders on the ground. Then former Secretary of State of Defense, James Mattis decided to confirm Trump's supposed comment that Mattis is the most overrated general in history by rolling out a series of awkward jokes at the Al Smith Memorial Foundation dinner. I don't know where this guy is going with this. I thought this was supposed to be pro-Trump, dude. So we're going to bail on this. No anti-Trump stuff. Is this anti-Trump or pro-Trump? I don't know. I don't know. Let's keep going. Did uh, you guys think Trump actually said that James Mattis was the most overrated? I got a problem with James Mattis's voice. Have you guys ever heard James Mattis's voice? It's very disappointing. Like you listen to James Mattis speak, and you're like, that guy can't be really 
That guy really can't be a general, can he? Who would listen to his ass? Here, let me play a clip of James Mattis speaking. Here we got the clips. All right, here we go. This is James Mattis giving a speech at the Al Smith dinner. Here we go with the clips. Uh, really uh, having achieved greatness. I mean, I'm not just an overrated general. I am the greatest, the world's most overrated. <laughs> and this did no small part. I will tell you, uh, I, I owe New York. I owe New York for this because Senator Schumer, have I thank you uh, for bringing my name up in a rather contentious meeting in Washington. <laughs> where yeah, you, see, you guys hear his voice? He's got that lisp. <laughs> bringing my name up. <laughs> Why are you talking like that, James Mattis? You can't get rid of that shit already? You're a grown man. I get when kids do it, but you're a grown man, dude. Stop doing that gay shit. I think he's gay. He's probably gay. Anyway, we all thank his uh, thank him for his service. You guys know how I feel about that. That's stupid shit. Going around thanking generals for their service. Get the fuck out of here. Then former Secretary of Defense James Mattis. Okay, so he talked about that. That's what he's talking about there. Supposedly smart and noble military men too often are. Despite his intellect, Mattis's jokes were rather pathetic. The type that only someone harboring malice toward Trump could find funny. That's more. What's more, they reveal the sort of defensive hubris. Hubris. Is it hubris or hubris? Hubris, right? Hubris. I've noticed that that word is very popular with these uh, with these writers. A lot of these writers, they love using the word hubris. What's more, they reveal the sort of defensive hubris foreign to honest and noble men. As someone remarked on social media, months of sniping and passive-aggressive bitching at Trump, and he finally gets smacked in the face. His response is to allude to the victories and how he's earned his spurs on the battlefield. Imagine playing a serious leadership role in the last 20 years. Hold on, guys. I gotta be honest. This article is boring as hell, dude. This article is boring as hell. Anyway, the point is, is this guy's writing about these generals. These generals, first off, if you're a general, you're supposed to keep your mouth shut when it comes to the commander-in-chief. I think if they're still receiving a pension, they're not supposed to be talking shit about the commander-in-chief, right? I think, I don't think they're supposed to. So apparently he's coming out and he's saying a bunch of shit. Then you got that other guy, Mick Raven. He's writing articles. I mean, it's ridiculous. And it's because, this is why when stupid-ass Michael Savage goes up there and he's like, why didn't he discuss this with the generals? Because the generals are lying to the president. The generals don't want to do what the president says. The generals think they're running the show and the president's in charge. See, Donald Trump's the only man who could look a general in the eye. And go get the fuck out of here, man. I'm in charge here, not you. And I'll remove you. And I think he's gotten rid of most of these generals. He got rid of General Kelly. He started off with a bunch of generals. The one guy that was really on his side was the guy they took out. Was, uh, what's his name? You guys know what I'm talking about? That one general that was, uh, well, he was a national security advisor. He surrounded himself with generals. And all these generals, all they want to do is keep warmongering. I think the president did it because he felt like if I get all these guys on my side then I could really make something happen. But the thing is, is these generals, all these people, once you get that high up the, the uh, command chain, it's all politics. It doesn't matter 
what a good soldier you were. It's all politics when you get at that level. It's who are you going to follow? So, for example, if you're a Democrat, soldier, the only person who's going to promote you is a Democrat president. You're never going to get promoted by Republicans. And vice versa, if you're a, Demo- if you're a Republican, Democrats aren't going to promote you. That's how they got rid of Petraeus. You guys remember Petraeus? They got rid of his ass. I think Petraeus would have probably been on, uh, on, on uh, Donald Trump's side. I don't know. I, I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. Anyway, this article is boring. I'm going to have to find a different one. This one stinks. Using punt principles is a punchline. This is what uh, this is what this uh, this new article. You know what? I'm gonna switch it up, guys. We're gonna move on. Actually, I'm getting to the job site here, so I gotta go drop off some materials, and then I gotta go to another job site. So when I when I'm on my way to the other job site, we'll get back to it. All right, here we go with uh, dropping off materials. Oh yeah, back in action. Pro Trump bandwagon podcast, ripping and running the streets. All right, check it out, guys. I got some clips here from the president himself. Just ripping in the, into the media, and we're gonna we're gonna get into these clips. Here we go with the with the clips. Uh, and uh, if anybody has any questions, please feel free. Sir, sir, will you maintain a limited number of troops in Syria? Excuse me. Will you maintain a limited number of troops in Syria? Well, we don't think it's going to be necessary. I don't want to leave troops there. It's very dangerous for you know. We had 28 troops as it turned out. People said 50. It was 28. And you had an army on both sides of those troops. Those troops would have been wiped out. Uh, I don't think it's uh, necessary, other than that we secured the oil. It's in a little different section, but we just secured the oil. And the other reason, region where we've been asked by Israel and Jordan to leave a small number of troops is a totally different section of Syria near Jordan and close to Israel. And that's a totally different section. That's a totally different mindset. So we have a small group uh, there, and we've secured the oil. Other than that, there's no reason for it, in our opinion. And again, the Kurds are going to be watching. We're working with the Kurds. We have a good relationship with the Kurds. But we never agreed to you know, protect the Kurds. We fought with them for three and a half to four years. We never agreed to protect the Kurds for the rest of their lives. Remember this. When Iraq was fighting the Kurds, everybody thought we were going to fight with the Kurds. I said, well, it's a little strange that we're fighting with the Kurds when we just spent $4 trillion on Iraq, and now we're going to be fighting Iraq. So what I did is I said, we're not going to take a position. Let them fight themselves. I thought the Kurds would do very well. Everyone said, oh, the Kurds will do very well. Well, Iraq moved in, and the Kurds left. They didn't fight because they didn't have us to fight. Let me just address this la- these last couple of points here, which to me sound very logical. It sounds very reasonable for Donald Trump to say, hey, what? We didn't say we we're gonna be there forever. I mean, we we fought with them, and it's done, and we gotta go. It's over, okay? It's over. What is so hard for people to understand about that? Why are people acting as if Donald Trump is somehow undermining the security of the United States? I think that's all bullshit. We're gonna get into Mitt Romney and his garbage and what he's been up to. His dirty, filthy liar. Anyway, here we go with the clips. A lot of people are good when they fight with us. You know, when you have $10 billion worth of airplanes shooting 10 miles in front of your line, it's, it's much easier to fight. But with that, they were a good help. But we were a great help to them, too. They were fighting ISIS. You know, they hated ISIS. So they were fighting ISIS. 
But we never agreed. Where is an agreement that said we have to stay in the Middle East for the rest of humanity, for the rest of, of uh, civilization, to protect? The Kurds had never said that. And we have protected them. We've taken very good care of them. And I hope they're going to watch over ISIS, because that's, again, most of it's not in the safe. This drives, this drives the liberals crazy. Not just the liberals, just the main, mainly the establishment. You know what I'm learning? I think it's one of the things that Donald Trump is exposing, and I've noticed it in a lot of the talk show hosts who are sticking with Trump, in particular Rush Limbaugh. I think Rush Limbaugh is starting to realize that the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, have basically been full of shit all these years. In particular, the Republican Party. We knew what the Democrat Party was all about. I mean, they've always lied about what they really stand for, and now they're finally being exposed, and they're coming out, and coming out as completely socialistic in their views. I mean, we're seeing that now. We've always known, I've always known that about them. But the Republican Party, during the 90s, right after Newt Gingrich led the Republican Party to victory in 1994, there was a real belief that the Republican Party was finally going to make some changes. And it turns out a bunch of them were frauds or whether they started off as frauds, they probably weren't in the beginning. But then once you get entrenched in Washington and you start seeing all the money you could make, you know, it's kind of what, what happens to social workers and people who work for the government at the state level. You know, you start off wanting to help people as a social worker. You start off really wanting to help the poor and wanting to do all these things. And you get in there and you realize there's no, there's no solution. Some of these people are just going to be losers for the rest of their, their life. And there's nothing you can do for them. At one point, you become almost numb to the whole situation. And you're like, well, while I'm here, at least I'm going to try to get my pension. I'm going to try to get my money. That's what cops do. Cops, after a while, they start thinking, what the fuck am I doing? I'm risking my life for these people? Fuck that. I'm just going to try to make sure I get my pension, try to get as many overtime hours as possible, and uh, just look out for myself. And that happens in a lot of these jobs because you see how hopeless it is. If you're not in the... In, if the profit motive is not behind what you do, there's going to come a, a, a time when you're just going to look out to make as much money as you can and do as little as possible. And that's what's happening in these governments. These senators, these these um, Congress people, they go up to Washington. They realize it's all hopeless. They're like, fuck it. I'm just going to get I'm just going to try to get mine. And everybody else can go fuck themselves. Part of me doesn't blame them for it. But Trump is fighting against all of that. Here we go with the clips. Stone, as we call it. <clears throat> Some places called demilitarized zone. In the old days, would call areas like this a demilitarized zone. Uh, and our relationship with the Kurds is good, and they're going to be safe. And I will say this: if shooting didn't start for a couple of days, I don't think the Kurds would have moved. I don't think, frankly, you would have been able to make a very easy deal with Turkey. I think when it started for a few days, it was so nasty that when we went to Turkey, and when we went to the Kurds, they agreed to do things that they never would have done before the shooting started. Uh, if they didn't go through two and a half days of hell, I don't think they would have done it. I think you couldn't have made a deal. And 
You know, he's right about that. I think that a lot of what's happening is the United States is sticking their fingers and sticking their way to their nose where it doesn't belong, getting involved in all these countries instead of letting them ha- hash it out. You know, it's real sad that there's going to be people, innocent people, killed because of these wars. But at, w- at what point do we continue? I mean, how long are we supposed to keep doing this? Stupid-ass Jimmy Kimmel criticized Lara Trump. Why? Because Donald Trump is pulling the troops out. Jimmy Kimmel was the guy who was whining about George Bush having the troops in. It really makes no sense to me now. I think the difference with Republicans, the Republicans who support Donald Trump, is that we realize that what George W. Bush was doing was wrong. And that maybe we were wrong in supporting it. I think, you know what I really think happened? I think the CIA, the FBI, all of these entities lied to the president. Lied him into the war. You know, the Democrat Party tried to blame George W. Bush. Tried to say that it was George W. Bush pushing for intel that supported the war. But I think it was the opposite. I think it was the, the, the State Department... The people within the government that have been there for years and years and years who are like, we need to get into Iraq because we want to do this and we want to do that. We're going to destabilize the region. We're going to get this going. We're going to get that going. All we need to do is get George W. Bush on board and get the rest of the people in the, in the, on the political side on board with what we're doing. The majority of Democrats were on board with, with uh, attacking Iraq. They voted for the war in Iraq. And then it was, was what, a year later? They completely turned on Bush. It was unbelievable. Including Hillary Clinton, she voted for the war. Barack Obama wasn't in the Senate at the time, so he can, he he was on record as against the war. I think that guy got turned once he got in. I think Obama was genuinely against all of these wars. Then he got in, and they told him, "Look, you got to do this, and you got to do that." And he doesn't have the experience. I don't think he had the life experience and enough people within the government to tell him, "Hey, man, this is bullshit. They're fucking lying to you." They're trying to get you in another war. So he falls for it, goes goes into Syria. He's suckered into helping Iran. You know, that's why when I hear Michael Savage talk about who who is it that told Donald Trump to do this, to to remove the troops, I think I don't think there was anybody in there telling him that. I think it was all Donald Trump. It was all Donald Trump who said, We're getting the fuck out of there. I don't give a shit what anybody says, because I'm the president and we're doing what I say. Obama didn't have that kind of authority. He didn't have it in him. And I don't think George W. Bush did either. Anyway, here we go to clips. For years. But we're close to Mecca, and we'll see what happens. Again, they've been fighting for 300 years that we know of. 300 years. So why should we put our soldiers in the midst of two large groups, hundreds of thousands, potentially, of people that are fighting. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yes, Steve? Republicans need to get tougher and fight. What are you talking about? Well, I think... He's so simple. He's so calm in how he explains this to people. He's just being, look, man, we we don't need to be there. What are we doing there? Yeah, I don't think we need to be there. I mean, we're going to be there forever, for years and years and years, all eternity. Well, if it was up to John McCain, we would be. If it was up to Lindsey Graham, we'd be there for a thousand years. There's all these, all these, and I don't know, 
I think Lindsey Graham is a victim of all the of, of the same establishment kind of stuff. I think that he really trusts the people within the State Department telling him that, yeah, we got to be there. I think Lindsey Graham's been there too long. He's been in government too long. But I'll say this. I am against, there's a lot of people who talk about um, not allowing politicians to be there for very long. Anyway, giving them, what I mean is what I was looking for was term limits. They want term limits. I disagree with term, term limits, and I'll tell you why. The reason I don't think term limits are good is because we have term limits in California. And what it does is term, term limits actually end up making politicians less accountable for the policies they advocate. Because by the time their policies actually take root and make, and, uh, and make a, uh, an impact, those politicians have moved on. You know, They're on their way to the next thing. They're moving up in the political world. Anyway, here we go with the article. Here we got the clips. The Democrats fight dirty. I think the Democrats are lousy politicians with lousy policy. They want open borders. They don't care about crime. They want sanctuary cities. Uh, they don't care about drugs. They don't care about almost anything. They don't care about USMCA. How about that? I think they're lousy politicians. But two things they have. They're vicious and they stick together. They don't have Mitt Romney in their midst. They don't have people like that. They stick together. You never see them break off. You never see somebody go out and... That's why I respected so much what I watched with Will Hurd today, because he was one of the few that didn't seem to be there, and yet he made a statement. He said, well, I haven't seen any complaints whatsoever from the Ukrainians. I mean, the Ukrainians didn't complain, and they didn't tell any of our ambassadors. This thing is all about a letter that was... Wait, perfect. I missed out what the question was. You Let's go back here. I got You got to love the president calling out Mitt Romney, that bitch-ass punk. Mitt Romney's a bitch-ass punk, dude. Here we, go with the, here we go with the clips. Come on, man. ...fighting ISIS. But we never agreed. Where is an agreement that said we have to stay in the Middle East for the rest of humanity, for the rest of of uh, civilization to protect the Kurds had never said that. And we have protected them. We've taken very good care of them. And I hope they're going to watch over ISIS because that's, again, most of it. Sorry about that, guys. Come on now. Come on, motherfucker. That are fighting. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yes, Steve. Yes, well, I think the Democrats fight dirty. I think the Democrats are lousy politicians with lousy policy. They want open borders. They don't care about crime. They want sanctuary cities. Uh, they don't care about drugs. They don't care about almost anything. They don't care about USMCA. How about that? I think they're lousy politicians. But two things they have. They're vicious and they stick together. They don't have Mitt Romney in their midst. They don't have people like that. They stick together. You never see them break off. You never see somebody go out and... That's why I respected so much what I watched with Will Hurd today, because he was one of the few that didn't seem to be there, and yet he made a statement. He said, well, I haven't seen any complaints whatsoever from the Ukrainians. 
I mean, the Ukrainians didn't complain, and they didn't tell any of our ambassadors. This thing is all about a letter that was perfect. You never hear the letter anymore. It was all about whistleblowers. You never hear what happened to the whistleblower. They're gone because they've been discredited. What happened to the informant? And where is the IG? Why did the IG read the letter, read the transcript? He could have gotten it, I guess, I assume. I would have declassified it for him if I had to do that. Why didn't he read this and then see that the whistleblower's account was totally different than the letter? Then he would have said, oh, there's no problem here. The whistleblower gave a false account. Well, there you have it, guys. Donald Trump is just uh, laying into I, I don't even need uh, comment here. You know what? I'm just going to keep playing the clips. Here we go, the clips. Now you have to say, well, do we have to protect somebody that gave a false account? You know, these whistleblowers, they have them like they're angels. Okay. So do we have to protect somebody that gave a totally false account of my conversation? I don't know. You tell me. Do we have to protect the informant? Now, I happen to think there probably wasn't an informant. You know, the informant went to the whistleblower. The whistleblower had second and third hand information. You remember that. That was a big problem. But the information was wrong. So was there actually an informant? Maybe the informant was Schiff. It could be Shifty Schiff. In my opinion, it's possibly Schiff. Why didn't Schiff say that he and his staff or his staff or a whole group, why didn't he say that he met with the whistleblower? He knew all about the whistleblower. Why didn't he say? He's a crooked politician. Very bad for our country. This whole thing is very bad for our country. In the midst of that, I'm trying to get out of wars. And we may have to get in wars, too. Okay? We may have to get in wars. We're better prepared than we've ever been. If Iran does Don't something... Don't do it, dude. They'll Don't. be hit like they've never been hit before. Oh, uh, let me just tell you what's on, Big D. Uh, you stay away from the fucking wars, man. You will lose the presidency. All right, guys, I'm at the drive-thru, so I got to place an order, and I'm going to come right back. Here we go at the drive-thru. And we're back, everybody. Hell yes, uh, Pro-Trump Bandwagon Podcast Soldiers on. Check it out, guys. I was at the drive-thru, at the Popeye's drive-thru, because I wanted to get one of those sandwiches everybody was making a big deal out of, and I figured, you know, it's been a while, so I should be able to get a sandwich without a problem. And they don't have them. They don't have the sandwiches, apparently... How, how fucking stupid is that? McDonald's has 10 billion sandwiches. They probably, more people buy McDonald's than any any other place. And they never run out of sandwiches. How is Popeye's not prepared with enough inventory for the, for the demand? How stupid is that? So, you know what? I'm never going back to Popeye's. I've never tried their food. That would have been the first time I ever tried their food. I was like, you know what? Let me try that sandwich everybody's making a big deal out of. And then I got there, and there's a big sign. I'll be back soon. The sandwich will be back soon. Yeah, well, you know who's not going to be back soon? Big J. Okay, I'm not coming back soon. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Here we got the clips. I mean, we have things that we're looking at. But can you imagine? I have to fight off these, these low lives. At the same time, I'm negotiating these very important things that should have been done during Obama and Bush and even before that. All right? So that's where we are right now. Actually, very few. Go ahead, please. Mr. President, will the troops from Syria come home or will you send them to other nations? Well, they're going to be sent initially to different parts and get prepared. Then ultimately, we're bringing them home. Yeah. We're bringing our troops back home. I got elected on bringing our soldiers back home. Now, it's not very popular within the Beltway. Because, you know, Lockheed doesn't like it. 
and these great military companies don't like it. It's not very popular. And outside the Beltway, my largest cheer in Dallas, I had 25,000 people close in that arena. A record. God damn it, I got a phone call. Here we got the phone call. Hold on, everybody. Here we got the phone call. And we're back, everybody. Hell yeah, Scorch Earth. Uh, no, not Scorch Earth. Uh, Proton Bandwagon Podcast. So just on. Here we go. With yeah. the clips. I had so many people outside of the arena. Thousands. My largest cheer that night was two things. We're building the wall. That's number one. And number two, and probably tied for number one, was we're bringing our soldiers back home. That was our largest year in Dallas. Great place. Great state, Texas. Tough state. They're, they're tough. When I said we're bringing our soldiers back home, the place went crazy. But within the Beltway, you know, people don't like it. It's much tougher for me. It'd be much easier for me to let our soldiers be there. Let them. You see, Donald Trump is doing what he said he was going to do, and it's shocking everybody. And I can't believe how many of these of these celebrities don't don't realize this. You know, I got friends who argued. I got friends who argued with me over the Iraq war who can't believe what Trump is doing. And I'm like, dude, you you and Trump are on the same side. And and the thing about it is, is because they can say the same thing about Republicans. Well, what about Republicans? How, how can you change your views? Well, we have we changed the views because we recognize that at least I recognize that we were wrong. George W. Bush was wrong. George W. Bush was either lied to. I don't want to believe that he was an evil man. I don't go as far as like, um, you know, Alex Jones, who I'm a big fan of. He's got all that conspiracy stuff about George H.W. Bush. And I watched them. them I don't know about all that shit. Yeah, it sounds too much. It's far-fetched to me. I mean, these are people who have dedicated their lives to public service and serving the country i mean george hw bush fought in world war ii and then you you know he's gonna try to undermine the country i don't think so i don't buy that bullshit i think that all that stuff is bullshit but i think it's very possible that the that the deep state convinced george w bush that he had to go into iraq that he had to do these other things i'm pretty sure that that's what happened and it takes it takes a man like Donald Trump, a self-made man, despite the fact that he was given money by his father. I get that to start his businesses, but he's a pretty much a self-made man, Donald Trump. Okay, there's nobody like him, and he's the only one who could do this. Here we go, the clips. Continue to die. I go out to Dover, and I have to. I I meet parents. It's not a pleasant thing. It's the most unpleasant thing I do. Most unpleasant thing I do when I see that big cargo plane open and I see those coffins get rolled off or when I go over to Walter Reed Hospital where the doctors are incredible, by the way. Saving people that could have never been saved even five years ago. You know that. Uh, but those people are horribly wounded, horribly, horribly wounded. Wounded warriors. Uh, it's the toughest thing I do. Toughest thing is sending letters. I send many letters home to parents and I speak to parents. But I send many letters home to parents here. Their son or daughter has been killed over in the Middle East. For what? For what? There are times to fight. And there are times not to fight. There are times to be smart. We have tremendous economic power. And we're using our economic power much more 
powerful in certain ways than playing with, with guns. And much better for our country, and much better for everybody, and actually much better for humanity, okay? Thank you all very much. You'd think that the Democrat Party would be on board with all this. God damn it, dude. He sounds like a Democrat from 20 years ago. I read a book very long time ago when I was in college. Uh, I like to brag that I didn't go to college. And some of you probably don't know this, but I actually did go to college. I never graduated from college. I went to Cal State Dominguez Hills, which is one of these state, Cal State, you know. uh, It's a very small school out here in Carson. And it's a real university, you know, it's a legitimate university. People get degrees there. But let me tell you something. I'd rather tell people that I don't have, that I didn't go to college than admit that I went to fucking Cal State Dominguez Hills, okay? Cal State Dominguez Hills is a disgrace of a college. And I just, I just, I'd rather be uneducated than say I got my education at Cal State Dominguez Hills. Anyway, I did read a book. Actually, it's a good school and I learned a lot while I was there. And what I did learn, I read a book called Soft Power. And it talked about what Donald Trump is talking about. I never knew about this kind of stuff till I read this book. And this book was recommended by our teacher who happened to be, he was, uh, where was he from? He was a Muslim. And this is a poli-sci class. I took three of his classes because I really liked him as a teacher. And he really liked me because I would, I would rip into everybody in the class and i would spark all these conversations he loved having me in the class man he the last semester i was there i didn't even do the final and i got an a i got an a i didn't even turn in a final you guys know why because i i didn't do it right i didn't do the final it was like i'm home you gotta do it these uh these finals where they they say you can do it at home you know what it's not gonna get done okay Plus, I was running my business at the time. It was like right when I was first starting my business. And anyway, I read this book called Soft Power, and it basically talked about alternatives to going to war, what governments can do as opposed to going to war using tariffs, using uh, economic sanctions and all these kind of things. And this was in the middle of the Iraq war, and I think what the because my my teacher was very liberal he's a very liberal teacher but he was very open to different points of views and he was out front up front about his liberal views and he explained to us that he has his views but he doesn't want to impose his views on the rest of us and we had a few iraq iraq war veterans in the class because i took all the night classes so we had a majority of the, you know the majority of the students were older it wasn't all these young kids you know and i was about 25 when i was in there so i was older i went i had gone back to school right anyway that's what i learned about and i thought it was all bullshit i was like nah man we got to go to work you know because i was all gung-ho about going to war at the time it was stupid and i'm listening to donald trump and i'm thinking jesus this guy is more of a democrat than a lot of these democrats today here we go to clips much i appreciate it thank you Thank you very much. Doral, Doral was a very simple situation. I own a property in Florida. I was going to do it at no cost or give it free if I got a ruling, because there's a question as to whether or not you're allowed to give it, because it's like a contribution to a country. I'd have to get a ruling. But I would have given it for nothing. It's a lot of, lot of money I would have given away, like I give away my salary. I give away my salary 
It's, I guess, close to $450,000. I give it away. Nobody ever said he gives away a salary. Now it comes up because of this. But I give away my presidential salary. They say that no other president has done it. I'm surprised, to be honest with you. They actually say that George Washington may, may have been the only other president to do. But see whether or not Obama gave up his salary. See whether or not uh, all of the other uh, of your favorites give up their salary. The answer is no. They say it's the only one. They think George Washington did, but uh, they say no other. So I give up. It's a lot of money, $450,000, close to. And I give that up. So I have a place that's in the best location. I'm very good at real estate, very, very good. Much better than you even understand. When you see my financials, which I'll give at the right time, you'll say, man, he was much better than he even thought. <laughs> How fucking awesome is Donald Trump, dude? He's not going to give up his financials, by the way. He's never going to give it up. Donald Trump, you know you're not, man. Don't fucking play. All right, get the fuck out of here, Donald Trump. Here we go with the clips. This guy knows right here, Mnuchin, because he was in the private sector. He, he, does, he knows very much what I have. He would tell you. Someday, maybe he'll tell you. But I'm very good at real estate. There's Miami. This facility, everybody would have had their own building. Everybody in the G7 would have had their own building. It was so good. Florida loved it. They love economic development. It's it's not because it's a, it's a beautiful place. It's new. It's been totally rebuilt. It's new. Everything's good. It's got massive meeting rooms. Unlimited for security because it's on, uh, you know, hundreds of acres. Uh, best location. Right next to the airport, Miami International, one of the biggest airports in the world. Some people say it's the biggest, but one of the biggest airports in the world. It's only minutes away. It would have been great. But the Democrats went crazy. Even though I would have done it free, saved the country a lot of money. Then they say, oh, but you'll get promotion. Who cares? You don't think I get enough promotion? I get more promotion than any human being that's ever lived, I think I get. I think I would have that. I think I can say that fairly safely. I think I get more promotion. Yeah, I think everybody knows who Donald Trump is. So when you hear that, you're just like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. You know, these Democrats are just a bunch of dumb fucks, man. Here we got the clips. ...that any human being that's ever lived, some good, some bad... Uh, the people that like me give me only good. The people that don't like me give me only bad. But that's the way life is. I don't need promotion. <clears throat> I don't need promotion. Okay? But I was willing to do this for free. And they it would have been the greatest G7 ever. And I would have said to my family, because they run my business now. I don't run my business. I actually put all the stuff in trusts. They run my, and I didn't have to do that, but under no obligation to do it. You know, I don't know if you know it, George Washington. He ran his business simultaneously while he was president. Many other presidents, there weren't too many really rich presidents, but there were a few. They ran their business. Hey, Obama made a deal for a book. Is that running a business? Uh, I, I'm sure he didn't even discuss it while he was president. Uh, yeah. Uh, he has a deal with Netflix. When did they start talking about that? That's only. You know, a couple of examples. Dude, Donald Trump is just calling all these motherfuckers out. He knows. He knows they're full of shit. Here we got the clips. I love Donald Trump, man. But other presidents, if you look, other presidents were wealthy. Not huge wealth. George Washington was actually considered a very, very rich man at the time. But they ran their businesses. George Washington, they say, had two desks. He had a presidential desk and a business desk. I don't think uh, you people with this phony emoluments clause, and by the way, 
Uh, I would say that it's cost me anywhere from two to five billion dollars to be president. And that's okay. Between uh, what I lose and what I could have made, I would have made a fortune. If I just ran my business, I was doing it really well. I, I have a great business. I have the best properties. Uh, but between what I lose and, in all fairness, some properties, Doral's an example. Doral. You know, when he says that, when he says stuff like, I got the best properties, I could have lost money, it drives these fucking de- Democrats crazy. Like, you, you, you can't say that. What are you done? It makes them so fucking mad. And I, I sit here and I'm just in awe of, the, of Big D. Because this is what, this is, I wish we had presidents like this before. When a president is a badass, you got a badass, we got a badass for a president. And everybody's been a bitch about it. My whole life, people said, why can't we get a president who just tells it like it is? Who doesn't, who doesn't do politics? He just tells you what the fuck is going on. We finally got one, and everybody's acting like a little bitch about it. Here we go with the clips. We're setting records when I bought it, because I owned it for a period of time. Setting records. It was going to, there was nothing like it. was making a fortune. And then what happened? I announced I'm going to run for office, right? And all of a sudden, I say, we got to build a wall, we got to have borders, we got to have this, we got to have that. All of a sudden, people, some people didn't like it. They thought the rhetoric was too tough. And it went from doing great to doing fine. It does very nicely now. It's actually coming back, I understand, very strongly. But Doral was setting records. And I knew this would happen. Most of the stuff that I have, because now instead of having 100% of the market that loves you and they love your brand and it's luxury and it's great, now you have 50% of the market. That's called politics. I fully understood that. So it's cost me between $2 billion and $5 billion. And if I had it to do again, I'd do it in an instant. Because who cares? If you can afford it, what difference does it make? If I had this to do again, because I'm making a big difference for the country. The country is stronger now than it's been in many years, maybe ever. Our military is rebuilt. Our economy is hitting records. As I said, best unemployment numbers. Best employment numbers. We're strong. We're bringing our soldiers back home from the endless wars. We're doing great. So whether I lost $2 billion, $5 billion, more or less, doesn't make any difference to me. I don't care. If you're rich, it doesn't matter. I'm doing this for the country. I'm doing it for the people that show up. I haven't had an empty seat at a rally. I always say, where's the rally? It's in a certain place. Okay, just get the biggest arena. I go into these massive basketball arenas like in Dallas where the Mavericks play and fill it up and set a record. I've set a record almost every place I've been because we just need a little small stage. We don't need basketball courts, ice hockey courts. And I take less than musicians because they have bands. I don't have band. I set the world record for somebody without a guitar, okay? I don't have bands, right? So that's the story. And He's you know, the fucking best, dude. How could you hate this and guy? I great polls. I've had my How's best polls now. I think it's because people think that it's terrible what they're doing. Dude, how does the rest, how do the media just sit there and not go, I gotta be honest, man, this fucking guy is awesome. How could the media sit there and hate him after you hear him? You hear him and you gotta be like, this guy's the fucking baddest dude who ever lived. The baddest motherfucker who ever lived. Here we got the clips. Pelosi, uh, Shifty Schiff, Schumer. These people are trying to destroy the country. It's a very bad thing what they're doing. The president of the United States 
should be allowed to run the country, not have to focus on this kind of crap, while at the same time doing a great job on Syria and Turkey and all of the other things that we're doing. North Korea, okay, maybe someday, but I'll tell you what, if somebody else became president with that same mindset that they had, you'd right now be in a big war with North Korea. You don't hear too much about it. Could happen. Could happen. I don't know. I always say, who knows? It's deals. Who knows? But in the meantime, North Korea is, I like him. He likes me. We get along. I respect him. He respects me. You could end up in a war. President Obama told me that. He said, the biggest problem, I don't know how to solve it. He told me he doesn't know how to solve it. I said, did you ever call him? No. Actually, he tried 11 times. But the man on the other side, the gentleman on the other side, did not take his call, okay? Lack of respect, but he takes my call. Thank you very much, everybody. I love how he says thank you and then we'll keeps taking practice. Keeps taking it'll uh, be as exciting. I don't think it'll be as good. It'll cost the country a fortune because it's very expensive. I know uh, France had a budget of many, many millions of dollars. They just did it. They did a great job, by the way. Uh, but France had a budget of many, many millions of dollars. Uh, it's going to cost, you know, fortune for the country. I was willing to do it for free. But uh, people didn't like that. They thought I may get some promotional value. I need promotional value so badly, right? I don't need promotional. Go ahead. What did you say? What else? <laughs> Steve? No? That's so, all. So, 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 on Iran, what? Say it. What? You mentioned the word impeach. Do you believe that it's a foregone conclusion that the House will impeach? Well, I think they want to, uh, any Democrat wants to, because they're not going to beat me in the election. So, of course, they want to impeach. Why wouldn't they want to impeach me? It's so, Ill it's so illegitimate. It cannot be the way the founders, our great founders, meant this to be. But I, I see this guy, Congressman Al Green, say, we have to impeach him. Otherwise, he's going to win the election. What's that all about? But that's exactly what they're saying. We have to impeach him, because otherwise, he's going to win. I'm going to win the election. Look, I have the strongest economy ever. It's the economy, stupid, right? I have the strongest economy in the history of our country. Okay? We're setting records. Over 100 times, I think it's like 118, but over 100 times we've had the highest stock market in history since November 8th. Over 100 times. And by the way, today I got elected. The following day from there until January 20th, the market went through the roof. You know why it went through the roof? Because they got rid of Obama and they got rid of Clinton. And if anybody else, if any of these people that I've been watching on the stage got elected, your 401ks would be down the tubes. They'd go down not 20% or 30%. They'd go down 70, 90, 80. You'd destroy this country. You'd destroy the country. So I think they want to impeach me because it's the only way they're going to win. They've got nothing. All they have is a phone call that was perfect. All they have is a whistleblower who's disappeared. Where is he? He's gone. Then they have a second whistleblower. The second whistleblower's got, oh, it's going to, where is he? He disappeared. Then Dude, <laughs> I, 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 there's nothing for me to say. I'm going to let it play out, guys, and then we're going to close out the show because this has been unbelievable. Here we go, the clips. They have an informant. Oh, the informant is, where is he? They're interviewing, they're interviewing ambassadors who I'd never heard of. I don't know who these people are. I never heard of them. And I have great respect for some of them. One of them said just recently, 
uh, a very, very highly respected man. I'm not going to get into their names, but a highly said, no, no, we were very, very bothered by Joe Biden and his son. Back during the Obama administration, he said we were very, he's supposed to be their witness. Don't forget, many of these people were put there during Obama, during Clinton, <coughs> during the never Trump or Bush era. You know, you had a never Trump or Bush. You have heard of those. Those people might be worse than the Democrats, the never Trumpers. The good news is they're dying off fast. They're on artificial respiration, I think. But no, impeachment, uh, they, they want to impeach and they want to do it as quick as possible. And that's pretty much the story. Okay. What about Republican support? Do you, are you working behind? I think I have great Republican support. Do you run the risk of alienating No, I don't think so at all. No, they, you know what? Look, no, you don't. I have to do what I have to do. I'll tell you what. I want to bring our soldiers back home. If people want to leave them there, I'll take that every day. All I know, you were at Dallas. All I know is the place went crazy when I said we're bringing our soldiers back home. Within this little area, this is a very unique area. They may feel that. But I have to do what I got elected on, and I have to do what I think is right. Now, if I got elected on something and think I was wrong, I'd second-guess myself, I'd change. But they want our soldiers back home. And I think we can do as well or better, frankly. Let them. They've got to, they've got to keep going at each other. It's artificial to have these soldiers walking up and down between two big countries. Uh, and by the way, I'm just informed uh, Larry Kudlow is going to say a few remarks. If you want, would you like to stay for Larry's sure, remarks? Because sure, sure. he's a great, great remark maker. Larry, <laughs> after that whole thing, Larry, get up and go get it. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> let him know how awesome, to do it. I swear to God, this is the best. That's it, guys. That's the uh, that's the whole clips, guys. The show's over. Show's over. Another great episode of the Pro Trump Bandwagon podcast. Giving you guys some of why, some of the reason why I love Trump. That right there is a perfect example of why I'm a big fan of Donald Trump. I'm gonna get into Mitt Romney on the next show, but this this show's done. Please go to iTunes, give me a five star review, share the share the show with your friends, tell your friends about it. Tell your friends, listen, man, you tired of Michael Savage and Mark Levin? Mark Levin's another one, by the way. Mark Levin and 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 Hugh Hewitt and all these other fucking clowns call themselves conservatives but then as soon as they get a chance they want to disagree with the president turn that shit listen to the scorcher in chief the scorcher in chief former host of the scorched earth podcast is uh, he's 150 percent behind the president he's got a new podcast called the pro trump bandwagon podcast check it out all right tell your friends we'll see you next time Always politely lie Cover the silence with